Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons and today. Today, I am giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons' preseason loss to the Miami Dolphins by the score of 23-20. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so um, let's talk preseason, preseason opener, another sort of loss for the Falcons. They they started off pretty strong. I think they were up like 20-10 at the end of the third quarter, but then gave up two scores in the fourth um, and uh, wound up losing the game. It's preseason, no big deal. But let's talk about the game a little bit. I'm, I'm going to spend a good chunk of the latter half of this episode talking about Jalen Collins because he did not particularly have a great game. And it caused your typical overreaction on Twitter, as is often the case when it comes to whenever the Falcons play the Dolphins. So I will talk about that and give you my thoughts on that. But uh, let's talk about the game in general. Um, you know, let's go sort of position group by position group. Let's talk quarterbacks. Matt Ryan was out there for a series, threw a touchdown pass on a fourth and one on a 15-yard rollout to Devontae Freeman. Schaub came in, looked good. Matt Sims played the majority of the game. Uh, he wound up with a pretty underwhelming stat line. He went 10 for 12 for 104 yards. Um, you know, Ryan and Schaub certainly did their part, ran the offense efficiently, which you would expect given, you know, their reasonable relative familiarity with the offense. I know it's slowly shifted. Uh, I'll, I'll go in a little bit more on the whole, like, you know, what does this mean to the regular season a little later? Um, running game, you know, Teron Ward had played well. He got the majority of the carries, had 48 yards on 11 carries, was the leading rusher. Most of that thanks to a 26-yard run that where he was sort of cutting and slashing. Um, also had a nice t- touchdown run in the second quarter. Um, prior to sort of Ward going off in the second quarter, uh, Matt Sims was the team's leading rusher, thanks to a couple of his scrambles. Not a not an overly impressive debut for Brian Hill. He, he wound up finishing with, with nine carries for 10 yards and just seemed not to be able to find or, or get any daylight. I'll have to go back and rewatch the game and sort of see if the holes were there or whatnot. But it didn't look like the holes were there, and it didn't look like he was finding if they were finding them if they were um, watching it live. Some of the, the backup receivers did sort of step up. Starters really didn't. Obviously, Julio didn't play, for those of you that weren't aware. Taylor Gabriel didn't play. Sanu made a nice one-handed catch um, in early in the game. Um, outside of him, none of the starters, you know, Hooper had a nice catch on a rollout. Um, but none of the starters sort of really did a whole lot because they only really played a series. Uh, I think Hooper was in for the second series, but that's about it. Um, but, no, the the young guys like Reggie Davis, Anthony Dable, Marvin Hall all sort of stood out, had a nice couple of nice catches. Davis had a 48-yard touchdown called back thanks to a holding call on Eric Salbert. Salbert, that was one of two holding calls for Salbert. He had a drop, and his only catch was a negative for negative one yards. It was not a very impressive debut for him. 
Um, so both, you know, really all three offensive starters, I mean, offensive rookies did not play well. I didn't think Sean Harlow had a great game. He seemed to struggle a little bit in, in pass protection, particularly when he was going up against the, the Dolphins second team line. There was a, there was a pressure that Jordan Phillips had where he bull rushed them and he just basically pancaked them. Um, and there was a couple of times where he, he really had a trouble sort of anchoring against the pass rush. Um, for the starters, Ben Garland got all the first team reps at right guard um, with the starters. The starters only stayed in for about a series and a half. They got pulled about midway through the second series. Um, second unit basically picked up from there. You, you saw guys, DJ Tilly Levea, interesting enough, was with the second unit. Had a little bit of an up and down game, but he had a nice block on Teron Ward's touchdown run. Um, the third string, by the time the third string got in the game in the fourth quarter, with with guys like Andreas Kanapi and Will Freeman and and Larson Graham, I I was sort of checked out at that point, uh, so I wasn't really paying too much attention to the offensive line play by that point. Uh, that'll be something I'll go back and, and look at. Defensively, uh, Falcons look fast. They played fast. They played physical. You saw guys flying around. Now you know again it's, it's preseason. Miami was very vanilla. You know five of their first seven play calls were runs. You know, basically they they were just like, okay, we're gonna run it a bunch, then we're gonna throw it a bunch. Right? You know, they you know it's it's not a whole lot. Um, the Falcons, because of that, the Falcons were in base defense a, a bunch at the beginning of the game. I'm not even sure. I didn't see Vic Beasley or Adrian Claiborne or Jack Crawford play. Um, if they did, they it was like one, maybe two snaps. Um, I was you know like that was something I was paying attention to who was in the game, um, um, particularly on the, in the trenches early in the game. And I, I don't remember seeing either any of those guys playing, but if they did, it was like one, maybe one third down here or, or something. Um, you know, for the most part, the D line was fine. You know, um, Brooks Reed did some things as a pass rusher. He had a nice spin move, nice pressure. Jeterius Jones, JT Jones um, also showed some things. Joe Volano, you know, I remember watching him again in the, when he was working with the second unit defense with like Hageman and, and Upshaw and Shelby and those guys. And he was sort of underwhelming a little bit um, and sort of getting control because I think he was going up against the Dolphins second string offensive line. But then once they subbed in, I guess, their third string unit, he was just killing those dudes in the second half of the game. He was just like it was like it seemed like it was like six plays in a row where Joe Volano was getting pressure. Um, uh, De- Devondre Campbell had a great one handed interception. Um, I mentioned Sanu's one-handed catch. Jarner Jones later had a one-handed interception, too, that um, sort of, you know, helped swing the momentum back in the favor of the Falcons late in the game. Obviously, not quite enough, but, uh, you know, it came after a turnover, and, and so it prevented Miami from getting another score to sort of um, go up. I guess by that point, it would have been like 30 to 20 if they had scored there. Um, so you, you saw his decent coverage. Jermaine Gray stood out to me. He was flying around, making plays all over the, all over the field. He had a nice pressure on, on Jones's interception and he also had a pass breakup. Um, secondary, you know, preseason's hard to gauge secondary play because you kind of need to see the all 22 to really get a good feeling for what's really going on out in the secondary. Um, particularly at the safety position, but the cornerbacks, they got tested a little bit. Jalen Collins gave up a touchdown, 99 yard touchdown. CJ Goodwin gave up a 50 yard touchdown. I can't remember how long the D Ron Washington's touchdown was, but he gave up one third. Um, 
you know, uh, Collins at the very least, at least broke up a touchdown to sort of compensate for the touchdown he gave up. Um, on special teams, Matt Bryant missed a field goal, made a joke on Twitter, like, oh no, we got to panic. You know, it's a, it's a Dolphins, Falcons preseason game, so we got to panic. And I got a, a, a response from, uh, Matt Bryant's wife. I, I hope she knows that I, I was joking. Um, uh, Mike Mayer hit both of his field goals. You know, I think one of them was like a 53 yard. So that was, that was solid. Uh, saw a nice couple of returns, you know. You know, you know me. I'm going to blame the Dolphins' horrible spec. Like when you see five good returns, that's usually a sign of not necessarily that you just happen to have the world's best returners. It's usually a sign of the other team's special teams coverage are really bad. So uh, Roberts had a, a really good return to, to start the game off. I think it was like thirty something yards or something like that. Um, Marvin Hall and Reggie Davis also flashed a little bit returning, um, but then they they sort of made some mistakes. Davis had a fair catch. He called for a fair catch and then let the, and basically instead of fielding the ball, he stopped the last minute and tried to wave it off, and it wound up bouncing and hitting Quincy Mojes. I was about to say Mauger Mojes' leg, and that was a turnover. Um, then later in the game, Marvin Hall fumbled on on a kickoff that, and then Jarnar Jones had the interception. That was the turnover I was referring to earlier, and um, you know, so like both of those guys stood out on the offense had an opportunity to sort of stand out on special teams, sort of botched it a little bit. You know, Moje's probably going to get a lot more blame for that, but it's kind of like Davis sort of left him out to hung out. Like you can't call for a fair catch and then three yards away from catching it, you stop and then try to wave everybody off. Like you can't make those. Like one of the things about being a punt returner in league, and, and maybe Keith Armstrong would disagree with me, but one of the things I've, I've learned and observed being punt returner in the league, you have to be decisive, right? Now, you, you can get mad at Eric Williams for the decisions he made, but you got to be decisive. you got to make a choice and go with it, right? You, you can't be second-guessing yourself. It's too much stuff happening too fast. And that was the mistake that Davis made on that particular play. So um, one of the things I do want to do, I do want to rewatch the game. I do want to give um, the sort of detailed feedback I've, I've been known for in past years, um, particularly with the, the trench play and whatnot, which is something I know a lot of people don't watch. And so in past years, if, if you've been a regular follower of my work at Falkfans.com, um, I usually drop, you know, a couple of days after the game because it takes a while to rewatch the game and, 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 and write it up. But usually it's like this massive, like 6,000 word, um, document that basically talks about every player that played in the game. If, you know, it's, it's usually like 90, but it's often like 80 guys and, and try to talk about, okay, when at least the very least say when they played, even if they didn't stand out and, and made plays or whatnot. I do want to do that again this year, but I'll probably at least learn and break it up. And so, you know, right now, at least right now, as, as a, as it is on a early Friday morning when I'm, when I'm recording this, my plan right now is probably I'll do one part that's offensive skill position. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And then another part that's just going to be trench play. So it's going to be offensive line, defensive line. And then the third part, which will be, you know, linebacker, secondary, and special teams. So that's that's my plan right now. And I'll probably work on that during the weekend. Maybe that'll probably come out like Monday or something like that. So that's something to keep your eye out. I'll, I'll, if you follow me on Twitter at Falcfans, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on, on my progress on that. But I probably will wait till the weekend um, to get that out uh, or to, to actually start working on it and then hopefully get it out early next week before um, the next game. Um, 
So, uh, you know, that's the game in a nutshell. I mean, if you didn't watch the game, you didn't miss a whole bunch. You, you know, there's a couple of highlights. Just go to NFL.com, watch the highlights. You'll see a couple of nice catches, a couple of turnovers, whatnot. So um, not not a whole lot to take away from the game. Because, you know, the thing about preseason is this. Um, it's about individual evaluation. And you, you often go on Twitter, and it's one of the things that I, every year I shake my head at, where people will look at it and say, oh, man, the offense is not going to skip a beat under Sarkeesian. It's like, you don't know that. Like, no one's game planning in this game. Like, oh, the defense looks amazing. And it's like, no, like, no one's game planning. Like, this is not a real game. And it's one of those things where it's just like, it's about evaluating individuals. Like, you can look at the defense. You can look at individual defensive players and say, oh, he's fast. Jermaine Grace is fast. Or or, or Duke Riley's fast. Or, um, you know, Devondre Campbell's looking, you know, fluid in, in coverage, even though he always did. Um, <laughs> or, you know, and, and then basically they look at the collection of the 11 individuals that are going to be the starters and be like, oh, yeah, they're fast. So, therefore, the defense is going to be fast. But it, you know, you can do that, but like trying to glean what's going to happen in a regular season based off of seeing how, you know, the defensive line getting after it against a second unit Dolphins offensive line. It's like, no, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Um, you know, basically it's, it's about evaluating individuals to see if they're good enough to make the roster. And for the guys that you already know are going to make the roster, it's really just about getting them ready, you know, getting them some reps, getting them warmed up so they can get ready to play in the regular season. And the more experience these guys have, once you've been in the league for four, five, six years, seven years for Julio Jones, nine years for Matt Ryan, like you don't need a whole lot of reps. You like need one game. Like I think last year the Steelers played Ben Roethlisberger in the third preseason game for like a quarter and then, or maybe a half, I don't know. And that's all he got in the entire preseason. Like, that's all you really need. There's Like, Matt Ryan's going to play in each one of these games. But, like, he doesn't need a whole lot of reps. Like, he's good. Julio, like, yeah, he doesn't need – we don't even need to play Julio. Like, Julio, just give him, like, one snap and he's good to go. Um, So, like, yeah, I mean, like, and, and, and this is the other reason. I'm, 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 I'm all over the place. But it's like – you look at this game. It's not a real game because if this was a real game, Julio and Gabriel and Tack, they all would have played. We would have seen Beasley and Claiborne and Crawford. If, if they got any snaps, we would have seen more than one or two. Cutler, Sue, Jarvis Landry, Rashad Jones, all these guys would have played if it was a real game. So, again, understand what preseason is about. It's about coaches finding out who's good and who's not. Don't be the guy that's like, oh, this guy's going to make the team now, or this guy's going to get cut based off of one preseason. Like, it doesn't work that way, guys. Like, they're not going to make those decisions until late August, early. So they're going to see how these guys perform over multiple games, over multiple weeks. Because you got to understand, like, a big part of the preseason is about finding out who's coachable. And, and, and what you mean by that is like, okay, so these guys made mistakes in this game. So this week in practice, they're going to work on those areas that they need to improve on, that they screwed up on in this game. Like, you need to work on your your ball security, Marvin Hall, or whatever. Reggie Davis, you need to be more decisive with your, your punt return. So the next opportunity comes, they want to see improvement in those areas. And if, if they see the improvement they want to see in those areas, that tells them, okay, this guy's coachable, right? If they don't, then it's like, oh, okay, not, not necessarily, oh, I don't know. Because what's gonna what what coachability is a huge part of the development process in the NFL. 
where it's like, because what's going to end up happening, they're not going to throw, you know, we talk about throwing guys to the wolves, but they don't expect you to retain all the information that they throw at you early on. They're not even going to give you all the information. You're only going to get part of it. They're just going to throw a whole, it's going to be a whole lot more than you're ready to process. And so what they want to find out is what can you learn? What can you retain? If I get, if I ask you to do X, can you do X? If I ask you to do Y, can you do Y? If I, you know, and so Z, if you, if you don't know where I'm going with her. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's how they know it's coachable. Cause when we get to the regular season, they're going to start upping the ante. It's going to matter more. So when they, like, if you can't do X and they ask you to do X in the regular season, you can't do it. You know, not to sit here and say that you're going to cost the team the game, but as far as coaches see, you're going to cost the team the game because that means that uh, I can't play you if you can't do the thing I want you to do. I, I got to play somebody else because we can't, you know, I'm going to need you to do this one thing, whatever the thing is. And this is one of the reasons why I think a guy like Teron Ward manages to stick around where everybody seems to sort of write him off and they've been doing so for, for you know, now three years. And so whenever he's asked to do something, He's, he goes out there and does it. Now, he doesn't always do it to the, you know, to great ability and great applause or anything like that, but he does his job. And that has value. And, and you know, for role players like that, not everybody's going to be Julio Jones. Not everybody's going to be Taylor Gabriel. You know, and even Taylor Gabriel's technically a role player, but he's just really good at the one role that he's asked to do, right? You know, he's a playmaker. His, that's his role. Um, but like, for the, you know, you're not going to have 53 guys that make up your roster that are a bunch of Julio Joneses and Taylor Gabriels. You're going to need, most of those guys are going to be Teron Wards. Most of those guys are going to be Brooks Reeds, right? And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why when people get mad at certain players, it's like, okay, yeah, all right. But like, you know, that's why guys like those guys stick around. Even when you look at them, you're like, why is that? He's not that good. Like, why is he still on team? Because he's coachable. Um, now, that being said, that doesn't mean that a guy like Teron Ward, you know, despite playing well tonight or Brooks Reed's playing well, that guarantees he's going to make the team. Now, you know, I would be surprised if Brooks Reed gets cut. But um, it's it's one of those like, he hasn't made the team. There's three three more games for them to figure it out. There's still three more opportunities for Brian Hill to play better. If he improves, that's going to help him go a long way because they're monitoring how much growth you show over the course of time because that shows coachability. They're getting coaching in all that time. So if you're improving, that shows coachability. That shows that, okay, if you can improve over this three-week span of time or this four-week span of time, now imagine what you can do over this three-year span of time or four-year span of time. That's the player development. So that's the thing you guys got to remember. Nobody's won a job and no one's lost a job after one game, right? Two years ago, everybody was proclaiming Colin Mooney as the winner in the fullback job over Patrick DeMarco. We saw how that worked out. Um, you know, I, I think part of the reason is because a, a lot of people aren't really paying attention to the preseason, and you know, you know that doesn't stop them from commenting like they're they're they they are and they're experts or whatever. But so what ends up happening is the few occasions they do pay attention, they tend to overreact to those. It's, oh, I saw that guy make that play. I saw that guy make that tackle. Right, but they're not really paying attention. They just sort of see flashes, and they think this means something, and so. Well, I saw this guy pop in this preseason game, so he's making the team. He's going to be the sixth receiver, 
right? Look, Reggie, da- Reggie Davis, Marvin Hall, Anthony Dable, they all put a good foot forward today, um, earlier tonight, you know, last night as you're listening to this. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. But they haven't won, won anything. Like Bernard Reedy put a great foot forward early in training camp. He didn't make teams on the practice squad, you know. It's going to help these guys make the practice squad, certainly. They'll remember this, but it, it, it's it's not that thing. So, all right, that's all I want to say about the game. That's all I want to say about the preseason in general. I'm going to get to my Jalen Collins rant. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions? More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Okay, guys. So, Jalen Collins had a bad game. All right, no, no, no doubt about it. But I'm going to defend Jalen Collins. I am, and um, you know, I that's because I think he's being vilified unfairly. Um, I I don't understand. I talked about this on Monday show, so I don't want to rehash too much of what I I said then. I talked quite a bit about it, um, more sort of in the context of sort of putting Jalen Collins's career in perspective, as opposed to sort of what maybe some revisionist historians who have an agenda to sort of, you know, say Jalen Collins is, is, is trash and shouldn't be on the team might put out there. Um, today I'm, you know, I, I feel like my mission is to put his performance in con in context, um, this, this past night. And I like, again, he did not have a great game. It was not a great, uh, preseason debut and, and for a player that's sort of in the circumstances that he's in, um, he did not put his best foot forward. But I, I do think people are, yeah, I, I, I like, I, I'll get into it. So it, it's one of those things where my whole point that I was talking about on Monday is we got to see what happens. Um, and it, like the example I would use is like look at last year with Rashid Hakeman. Right? He had some seri- pretty serious criminal charges against him, domestic violence, child neglect, all that sort of stuff. And there were people that were calling for his release back in September. And look, I'm, I'm not here to begrudge those people for their opinion. I think they had reasons to, to think that and believe that. But the one thing I will say is that you don't you – don't, you, at a certain point in the year, you didn't hear anybody saying that the, the Falcons should cut Rasheed Hageman, did you? And it's, 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 at least in my opinion, is not coincidentally that it happened to be around the time by December, January, when he started playing well, that, you know, you didn't hear of people having that beef with Rasheed Hageman. Um, and so it, to me, it's easy to sort of kick a player when he's down. Um, you know, it's easy to pile on a guy. Um, you know, it's easy to say in September, let's get rid of this guy based off of one or two games. But when you put 16 games in the context and let those games play out, you're oftentimes your, your opinion is going to be very differently. You know, there's plenty of players that I was like that with last year. Derek Shelby, Muhammad Sanu, Courtney Upshaw. If you were regular listeners of the podcast, you know, certainly during the first half of the season, I was constantly ripping on those guys. Um, 
you know, and over time, over the course of the season, like it's like, yeah, Derek Shelby, even though his season was cut short by injury, by the time we got to what the the Carolina in uh, Seattle game, I was fine with Derek Shelby. Um, you know, I still have my issues with Muhammad Sanu, but like, you know, when 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 I wasn't alone in this, but when other people were calling him a bust going into that. Chargers game, and then, you know, coming off of that Chargers game, I can't remember if it was going in or coming off, um, and then he had the big game against Green Bay, then all of a sudden that sort of eradicated any talk of him being a just massive free agent bust that's not contributing much to this offense. And, and Courtney Upshaw has certainly improved over the course of the season to the point that, you know, no offense to Vic Beasley, but, you know, he had a, he, he performed better in that NFC Championship game than Vic Beasley did. Um so, like, you know, Vic Beasley's a great example. You know, people were calling him a bust three weeks into last season. Then he led the NFL in sacks. Rico Allen, Robert Alford, even Jalen Collins are great examples of players that people are, were very quick to judge. And, and the point of me saying all that, again, like I said on Monday, was people need to be a little bit more patient when it comes to players and, and letting and not overreacting, especially in the preseason. Like, it's baffling to me how you can have people every year saying, it's the preseason, it's the preseason, and then the minute something goes awry, they're the same people that are being, like, going off on the hot takes. Like, be consistent at the very least. If you're, if you're, if you're anti-preseason hot takes, then be anti-preseason hot takes all the time. It's so hypocritical to me. And I think this Jalen Collins thing perfectly illustrates that. It's like when, when the Falcons are bad, you know, or the Falcons are struggling in the preseason, you're like, oh, everybody needs to calm down. But the minute Jalen Collins has a couple of bad snakes, it's like, no, he's got to go. He's got to get cut. Like, how does that make any sense, man? Look, so again, I'm not here to say Jalen Collins played well. He got beat early on, a, on an in-breaking route. Um, by uh, DeMaurier Stringfellow, who was actually a pretty good player Ole Miss. I know you SEC fans know what I'm talking about. Um, but those in-breaking routes were something that he struggled, Collins has struggled with going back to his days at LSU. Amari Cooper ripped him on, on, a, on a couple of slants in that Alabama game. And if you paid attention to my former co-host Alan Sturk's, um GIF review of, of Jalen Collins earlier this week, um, you saw a couple of times where a couple of plays that he posted on his Twitter account at Allen underscore Sturk, S-T-R-K, um, A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. <laughs> um, it's been a while since I had to spell that out. Um, you saw him get beat on a couple of in-breaking routes. So, again, it's not an excuse, but it's just like, okay, that's just the thing that he struggles with. And Richard Sherman struggles with in-breaking routes. It's not the end of the world. Um then he broke up that touchdown play, which, you know, no one seems to want to give him credit for. Um, you know, then he got beat on 99 touchdown, and, you know, I'll, I'll circle back to that. And then he got beat on a back shoulder throw, which happens. Cornerbacks get beat on – that's the whole point of a back shoulder throw is to basically make it so that the cornerback, even if he's in good position, can't cover it. You know, like, I, like again, I'm not trying to sit here and say that he played amazing – but like when you put things into context objectively, then like it's not the worst game in the history of the world. Now, look, the 99 yard touchdown was not a was not a good play. But when you actually look at the play, and like he wasn't 
his he wasn't poor on that play, right? Now, the first thing I want to point out about that play, go back and watch the replay of the play. David Fales, the quarterback for the Dolphins, put the ball in the perfect spot. He put it in the exact spot where you want to throw that go route, right? Over the receiver's outside shoulder. He's got outside position on the cornerback, so you throw it outside to over his outside shoulder where he can only get the ball. He has to extend and catch the ball. It's a perfect throw. What's the old adage? There's no defense for a perfect pass, right? Meanwhile, Jalen Collins is stride for stride with the receiver. He turns, locates the ball in the air, makes a play on it in the air. Sure, he fell. Now, I think he fell because the ball was a perfectly thrown pass, and he, at the last minute, realized he couldn't reach out for it and got overextended and lost his balance and fell. But, yeah, he shouldn't have fallen. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. If he doesn't fall, he at least makes a tackle, and it's a 40-yard play instead of a potential touchdown. I get that. I understand with that. But you look at that play and you look at his coverage, his coverage is not bad. Right? It's pretty decent. It's not perfect. Clearly, it's not perfect. But it's actually pretty good. And and, and then you compare it to compare it to the 50-yard touchdown that CJ Goodwin gave him. I'm not trying to throw CJ Goodwin on the bus, but I'm using this as an example of what good coverage looks like and what bad coverage looks like. Goodman didn't even turn and locate the ball. The ball was not even thrown well. It was thrown inside and underthrown that Leonte Carrillo had to stop and come back and get it. Goodman had no clue where the ball was. Right? If he had turned and located the ball in the air, he probably wouldn't have been in perfect position for an interception. But he didn't. Like Again, not trying to sit here and be like, See, Goodwin's bad and Collins is good. I'm not trying to throw Goodwin under the bus just to make Collins look better. But when you actually know what you're talking about, know what you're looking for when you watch football, and I'm sorry to be condescending and arrogant there, but it's baffling to me how people that are so smart, you know, that are just sitting there watching the play and just say, oh, Jane Collins sucks. It's like, what? Like, are we watching the same sport? You're supposed to be the football guy. Like, I get Joe Joe Johnson from Cordell, Georgia, that doesn't know what he's talking about on Twitter. No offense to any Joe Johnsons on, from Cordell, Georgia. Why can't I say Cordell, Georgia? Georgia. I say Georgia. Whatever. <laughs> My southern accent started coming out. Um, but, like, if you're you write about this team and your whole idea is you watch football. Like, come on, man. Like, you... you what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, so the 99 yard touchdown, Jalen Collins gives up the 40 yard reception, but the touchdown is on Marcellus Branch, right? The other 59 yards on that play is on Marcellus Branch. You got to make that tackle, dude, right? That's what, you know, Ricardo Allen made like 600 touchdown saving tackles. That's what makes him a good safety, right? There's so many touchdowns that would have been put on the Falcons defense last year, if not for Ricardo Allen. You've got to make that tackle. He doesn't even lay a finger on Stringfellow. Takes a bad angle, gets juked, gets turned around, and then Stringfellow's off to the races. And it's like, dude, you got a swipe or something. I don't even know. Get a hand on him. Even if he breaks the tackle, just at least say you got a hand on him. But right, yeah, Jalen Collins couldn't afford any mistakes. He's on thin ice. He's got to go. But I, I just don't get why this is the thing that has everybody triggered. His suspension has got everybody triggered, right? Yeah, he made a stupid, dumb mistake for getting caught again with PEDs. 
I get it. It's a dumb mistake, but it's a forgivable. It's so dumb and so simple to make that it's so simple to avoid. You just have to check a list. But people want to go out there and say, oh, because he can't check a list, he's not committed to the team. Like, what? What? Like, it's PEDs, man. Like, he didn't beat up a, a girl, a woman, right? He didn't commit a crime. He took a bad pill. Not even a bad pill. He took the wrong pill because it's on a list of pills he's not supposed to take. And now he's being vilified because he's careless? Okay, he's careless. What crime is that? He wasn't careless like I went out to the bar, had six beers, and was careless and drove home and got a DUI. I wasn't careless because I was running to the grocery store and I left my baby in the back seat in a hot car and it died. He was careless because he didn't take a he, he didn't check a list. He probably uh, you know he all for all we know he did check the list, but he still got you know flagged. There's a whole variety of reasons why you would test positive, right? But, like, for whatever reason, people are pissed about this. I, I get being disappointed. I get it. I understand the disappointment. We all want to see Jalen Collins succeed in Atlanta. We all want to see him learn from his mistakes and be mature and all that nonsense, all that talk. I get it. But why are you mad about this? Why do you get triggered by this? He messed up. Okay, big deal. Move on. But this is, for some reason, this is this huge Deal for people. I don't want a player on my football team that gets suspended for two PEDs. Like, that's the line in the sand that you're going to draw? Really? Really? No, no, you, you don't want me to go much further. Go right ahead. Ask the question. Vernon, Vernon just, uh, it was something that I told everybody at the very beginning of the week. I will not tolerate um, players that think it's about them when it's about the team. And um, we cannot make we cannot make decisions that cost the team, and then come off the sideline and it's nonchalant. No, you know what? I, I, this is how I believe. Okay, I'm from the old school. I believe this. I would rather play with ten people and just get penalized all the way until we got to do something else, rather than play with eleven when I know. That right now, that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Apparently, we got a, we got a, a, a fan base full of Mike Singletary's. Right? And I, I'm sure many of you listened to that rant by Mike Singletary from back from 2008. Famous rant. Post game rant, and that's exactly how I feel. That's fine. And if Dan Quinn feels that way, then Dan Quinn has every right to feel that way because he's the head coach of the football team, right? Dan Quinn can make whatever decisions he wants. If he wants to cut Jalen Collins, then he can cut Jalen Collins. I respect Dan Quinn's choice. Look, obviously, I respect all of the, or not all of them, but <laughs> most of them. <laughs> But, look, I'm going to have an opinion about his choices, but I'm not going to sit here and, and tell him how to run his football team, right? It's like, it's like, yeah, but guess what? Like, you, you can feel that way that Mike Singletary feels about Vernon Davis, about Jalen Collins, but guess what? You're not on the team, right? I know, I know we as fans sit here and pretend that we're on the team, that we, like, we're part of it. Like, you're not on the team, dude. 
Like, you get that, right? You don't play for the Atlanta Falcons. This whole notion of, I'm part of the brother, like, you are not part of the brotherhood. You're just a dude on his couch wearing a jersey, a triple XL jersey, eating nachos. That's all you are, right? You get that, right? You know, like, Dan Quinn can cut Jalen Collins. That's his choice. If he's going to do that, then that's his choice. I, uh, but Dan Quinn's going to have to live with the consequences. And those consequences are potentially the Falcons getting poor nickel cornerback play. Because unlike the rest of you guys, last year the Falcons didn't get great nickel cornerback play. They were 29th in DVOA against in terms of slot cornerback coverage. Right? They were the basically the third worst defense in the league when the opposing team was targeting the slot receivers. Now, maybe that improves. Again, as I've said multiple times over the last couple of weeks, we got to find out when the games are actually played. But if Dan Quinn's going to be willing to cut Jalen Collins, he better be willing to play with that reality. And, and it may not be a big deal against the Bills or the Lions or the Bears or the Dolphins, but come playoff time, it could be a big deal. Right? There are six teams that determine your season. The three in your division and the three other division winners. If you're a playoff caliber team, now, you know, if you're the Jets, you got a whole other list of issues. But if you're the Falcons, you're trying to make the playoffs and you're trying to make a run in the playoffs. So you got to win your division. So the three teams in your division matter. And the three teams that win their divisions that are going to be the teams that you got to go through in the postseason matter. And you can throw the Patriots out there. Dude. The one AFC team that wins their division because they're a good litmus test. Those are the seven teams that matter. And so, sure, Brian Poole and CJ Goodwin, they might be fine for those other six, seven, eight opponents that we're going to play this year. The Bears and the Jets and the Saints. But come playoff time, there may be a possibility that you may want Jalen Collins out there. And that's all I'm saying. That's all I've been saying. It's like, I don't even know, like, he could be out of the league in, in, in two months. Or he could still be in the league in six years. I have no idea. But shutting that door over some stinking PEDs, like, no, we can't do it. Cannot play with them. He took the wrong pill. This is the line in the sand I'm going to draw. Of all the things to get on your high horse in your soapbox, and I know I'm right now on my soapbox preaching at you guys, but of these, this is the things that y'all draw your line in the sand for? Some PEDs? Some Sudafed? Come on, man. Oh, are we doing this? Really? Really? Okay, fine. Fine. Huh? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sure this won't be the last time that I'm talking about Jalen Collins. Next week against the Steelers, he's going to get roasted by, I don't know, Eli Rogers or Martavis Bryant, and we'll be back in this situation. I guess I'm going to die on this hill. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll take the bullet. I'll die on this hill. I'll die sitting here defending Jalen Collins as a salvageable prospect. But y'all want to sit here and be like, oh, can't have him on the team because he's a me first player. Like, okay, last rant. I'm sorry. I apologize. And I apologize to this person because I'm, I'm throwing him under the bus. I don't really mean it. I'm talking at the crowd behind him. But he, he, he sent out a tweet today that sort of signifies my issue. 
with fans. And so, again, I apologize if, if you guys are like, okay, I'm turning off the podcast. But I, it's got to be said. I, it's, I can't hold it in anymore. Right? Good friend Matt Carroll. He was on the show we, when we talked about Matt Ryan and his NFL 100 back in early July. Good guy. He'll be back on the show. So I apologize, Matt, for throwing you under the bus. But to me, this is a this is a good example of what I'm talking about. He tweeted earlier today something about basically Devontae Freeman shows greater team commitment than Le'Veon Bell because he took he didn't turn down a, a, a lucrative offer and he's not holding up. Which you know that's a take. That's a take, but like this is the part of the problem I have. Like, no one questions Devontae Freeman's commitment to the team, but why are we questioning Le'Veon Bell's commitment to the team? A, first of all, they're in completely different situations. Le'Veon Bell can hold out because he's not under contract. Right, he's a franchise player, and until he signs his franchise tender, he's not under contract. Devontae Freeman is. Plus, Le'Veon Bell can ask for more money because he can get more money. Devontae Freeman can't go to the Falcons, or presumably, I don't know, because I'm not in the negotiating room, so I, I won't presume anything. But I'm guessing Devontae Freeman can't go to the Falcons and say, give me $60 million, give me $30 million guaranteed, like Le'Veon Bell can. Right? He walked away because he wanted more guaranteed money, according to the reports. But then you never know how accurate those reports are because you got to ask Qui Bono, who benefits? Right? And when, so that when you hear leaked reports about how big a contract that Le'Veon Bell turned down, this is probably the team leaked it in order to sort of vilify the guy and in order to turn fans against him. But the point I'm, I'm getting to is the whole idea of team commitment. Like, you don't know any of these guys. You don't know anything. And again, I'm, I apologize, Matt. I'm using you. I'm using you. You, you, you're the straw man that I'm have to, you know, that I have to hang an effigy in order to talk to the, the, the group of 500 individuals behind you. You don't know any of these guys. You see a video they put on Instagram. You see something they put on Snapchat. And you think you know anything about them. You see a snap, a four-second snapshot of their life. You see that you you click on Pro Football Talk or, or NFL.com. You find out a player got arrested. And you say, he got, he got a DUI for this. You've literally seen one night of this dude's life over the course of 27 years. And you're going to sit there and judge that person. You don't know how committed they are to the brotherhood because you're not part of the brotherhood. You don't go into that locker room every day. And just because a player decides to hold out, it's 2017, man. They just dropped a, 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 a report that 110 out of 111 brains from NFL players had CTE. You don't know what that dude's going to do with that extra $5 million or $15 million he's holding out for, he could invest it into the city park that he grew up playing football in in order to keep poor kids off the street. He could do that to put his cousins through college so that he's not not only the first person in his family to graduate from college, but there's 15 other dudes and girls that graduate from college. Like You don't know that. And it's, it, to me, that's the part of fandom that I, I hate. Like, I can sit there and watch a guy block. I can sit there and watch a guy run and know if he's good at football. I watch football. I talk about football. I don't talk about, are you committed to the team? I don't talk about, are you committed to the brotherhood? 
Because I don't know any of that stuff. I don't sit there in the locker room and, and, and interact with those players. I don't know these people. And so, like, that's the thing about it. Like, when you're a fan, don't talk about stuff you don't know. Don't talk about stuff you cannot observe. Don't talk about this guy's work ethic, this guy. Like, I question Jalen Collins' worth it. Why? Because Les Miles questioned it. Les Miles publicly said he didn't practice hard enough. That's the only reason I ever bring up Jalen Collins' work ethic. Other than that, I don't know anything about it. I don't know what he's doing in his life. We don't know anything about these dudes. Right? So when when fans start acting all holier than thou about, man, he's not committed to the team. Like, you don't know anything about him. Whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's Jalen Collins, whether it's Jonathan Batman, you don't know anything about any of these dudes. So stop acting like you can tell who's committed to the team based off of whether or not they hold out. Or whether or not they don't they pass a positive drug test. You don't know any of them. So stop acting like you do. Rant's over. Sorry, guys. I apologize. But it's... it Obviously, clearly, I, I'm passionate. We'll, we'll use that word about it. But it's just like that part of fandom, to me, is the most ridiculous thing. Where people want to sit here and judge a dude that they don't even know, who plays for a team that they're not even on, and act like they know what they're talking about. Watch football. We're This is what we're doing. We're watching football. Talk about football. Don't talk about brotherhood. Don't talk about commitment to the team. You don't know any of that stuff. You don't know what Matt Ryan's doing right now. Unless he's posting on it on Twitter or Instagram. You don't know jack about this dude. He posts like, what, twice a month? You see six seconds of his life every month. And you think you know anything about him? Right? You listen to me rant for 45 minutes and you probably got some type of feelings about me. You probably think you know me. You don't know me. Sorry, Matt. It's not about you. It's about them. Rant over. Anyway, guys. So, next show. (laughs) How do you turn on this? Next show, Devontae Freeman. We'll talk about Devontae Freeman's contract, what it means for his future, Tevin Coleman's future, now that we got a little bit of details about it. Um, what else? Oh, if you want to tell me you did not enjoy this rant or you really enjoyed the rant, then how do you get at me? Oh, hey, oh I'm on Twitter at Falfans. Love the rant, Aaron. Hated the rant. Turned it off. <laughs> Falfans on Twitter. That's also a great way to get in touch with me about the podcast. Just let me know it's a podcast-related question. Easier way. If you want to use Twitter to get at the podcast, talk about the podcast, asking me questions, we'll probably do a Q&A soon. Um, the Twitter handle is Locked on Falcons. Locked on Falcons is also the Facebook page. If you don't like 140 character limits, Locked on Falcons at mail.com is also the email address. Again, not limited to 140 characters. The email address, also a good way of getting in touch with me to let me know you want to be on a fan talk. I've talked about that in, in recent episodes that, uh, you know, the, If you get in on the action earlier, there's a much higher probability that you will be able to get on the show. We will continue these probably well into the season because i got enough people lined up that I I do want to get to most, if not all of you. We'll we'll, we'll play it by ear. Maybe maybe all of you will send emails saying, I don't want to be on the podcast now, Aaron, after that rant. Um, But, uh, you know, know, I, I just don't get it, man. 
yeah, DW, I'm going to die on this hill. I'm going to die on that hill. I'll, I'll die on this hill every day. How, how, how idiotic people tend to be when it comes to the sport that they love. I'll die on that hill any day. But um, falconfans.com, audioboom.com, you can leave a comment there iTunes, please, the five-star reviews. Please give me those five-star reviews. Now that the Rise Up Reader podcast is on iTunes, we we can't... Y- y'all are slipping. Or maybe I'm slipping. I, clearly, I'm slipping. Losing it. But we, we, we got to get... These guys can't surpass me on the five-star reviews. Okay? Go over there and... Sp- no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, spam them with one-star reviews. No, I wouldn't do that. I'm not, I'm not evil. I wouldn't use my power... For evil, but up to five star reviews. Send those in. I'll read them on the air. We'll talk. That helps more people find the show. If you like the show, maybe you don't after this week, but we'll find out. So uh, we'll be talking more about this preseason game and upcoming shows. We'll be doing some Q and A's. We'll be doing some fan talks. There may be a Saints show sometime in in 2017. Even though you know maybe uh, Kim Jong Un will uh, alleviate me of that problem by ending the world. Uh, ahead of time. Political and rants. Um, So what else? Devontae Freeman contract. That's what's on deck. So look forward to that, guys. Check out foulfans.com when I post that um, uh, preseason game review and and go in-depth on the 80-plus guys that played in the game. And uh, that's it, guys. So I appreciate you guys for hanging with me through that rant. I apologize. I will try to keep those rants to a minimum. Uh, even if you tell me you liked it, you know, I know that's not necessarily what you guys are here to listen to. So, uh, I just had to get that off my chest, but all right, next time we'll have a normal show. (laughs) You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone. So I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.